0: Your roommate. Hey, what's up? What up, up? homie? How you doing? I'm doing? Good.
1: Whoa, I almost Hi, got buddy. you, but I got you a gift, though. Bam! What is this? Check it out, homie.
2: Oh, dude, it's a donut from my break room. Yes. How thoughtful. It is the thought that counts.
1: Yes, I stole one, so I figured if I bring you one, it wouldn't maybe be, his, you know, stealing.
2: That is someone's logic, I'm sure. It was good. Uh, I kind of am on my break right now, so reading, and now I'm going to eat this delicious donuts. Yeah. it's part of my diet plan one of my goals is to wear sweatpants at all times
1: that's why you're a winner give easy, me some of this
2: easy goals
1: yes sir easy
2: goals cool man so what's
1: going on uh not much man on break again so i figured i'd come hang out for just a second cool. still donut or two yeah but uh also tonight's men group uh men's group you want to go again
2: uh i can't tonight i have i just have to get caught up on school work
1: all right, cool, man. Uh, you mentioned uh, needing a car. Do you need it tonight or?
2: No, no, tomorrow. If I can borrow your car, cause I got to take my car to the shop. All right, I'll just get something fixed real quick. I gotta run some errands. Is that cool?
1: Yeah, man. All right, cool. yeah, man. Cool. And then, uh, what Sunday? Yeah, Sunday, we're,
2: tra- yeah, we're checking out that new church.
1: Yeah, dude. So the dude from work said it's a really good church. He's been going there for some time. Uh, I think it's called Faith Westwood. Okay, And And yeah. uh, he says the pastor there has two first names, so two he fir- must be a rebel. He is a rebel. <clears throat> Anyone
2: that can knock two first names. Yeah. I think right he'd on. be
1: even better if he had two last names.
2: Maybe he does. Mm. Maybe he has six or eight
1: names. Yeah. We won't find
2: out. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. We'll have to ask him. No, it'll be cool, man. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Me too, man. Yeah, so thanks for one of my donuts. I guess they're technically mine. I do what I can, man. It was like three for me, one for you. And you still have to repent for the one that you ate. (laughs) You might need to get it back.
1: (laughs) You don't want it back. (laughs) You don't want it back. All right, cool, man. Yo, dude, I'm just super glad we are where we are right now, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, man, I keep saying it, but this thing is just becoming more real. And uh, I don't know. It's significant. This is just where I want to be. This is what I want to do. All right, cool. I'm glad we're doing it together, homie.
2: Yeah, me too, man. All me right, too, man. All right, join it. All
0: right, peace, man. Yeah, I'll see you later. All right. People have asked me where did you find these videos. I said we didn't find these videos. We know these guys. And uh, matter of fact, Austin uh, has family in our church from our band. Uh, it's Maria's son-in-law and Shane's uh, brother-in-law and they in previous times they did worship here some. but he, uh, Allison's on staff now at another church and, and uh, he also works at the fish radio station hence the little setting that they have there sometimes and anyway um, so uh, he got his buddy Jarrell to help him out and we've been the recipients of all this good stuff so anyway I'm hoping that they're going to be watching a little bit of the video of this online of us so let's just thank them shall we Thank you, Austin and Jarrell. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and you, you taught us, but you also lived us. So you modeled it. And uh, Lord, your saving grace and power, uh, you just pour out upon us. What a wonderful thing, because we need it so badly. And we pray that today would be a day when we would hear from you and by your Holy Spirit, it would impact our lives that it would take root and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Uh, as I said before, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and we're getting ready for Christmas. Uh, Last year, I don't know if you know this, but last year, Advent was the longest it can be, 28 days, because Christmas fell on a Sunday. This year, Advent is the shortest it can be, because Christmas falls on a Monday, 22 days. And that is your Advent day. Trivia useless trivia of the day. There you go Uh, Advent is also a time to examine the state of our souls as we prepare for the coming of Christ Uh, Today also happens to be the last Sunday in our series on the Sermon on the Mount Uh, And I thought today's scripture is perfect for Advent Because it calls us to examine the state of our souls uh, here's Matthew 7 24. We've looked at it a few of the Sundays previously as kind of a theme or memory verse And I'm going to ask you to say the words in red with me. Will you? Therefore everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock So after we hear Jesus's words, we have a choice. Will we set them aside Or will we put them into practice? For example, I want to share with you eight things, uh, kind of big things from the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to grade yourself, all right? Grade yourself on these eight things. Maybe kind of keep track in your head or make little marks on your bulletin or count them on your fingers, whatever you want to do. Uh, Yes or no? Jesus said, get rid of my angry outbursts and insults. Jesus said, reconcile quickly after a falling out. Jesus said, give no room to lust. Jesus said, respond to an offense with generosity, not revenge. Jesus said, spend time alone with God in daily prayer. Jesus said, pray for the person who hurts me. Jesus said, store my treasures in heaven, willingly downsizing to bless others. Jesus says, trust God for my basic needs instead of worrying about them. So how did you come out? Did you you grade yourself a little bit on those? You see, Jesus doesn't care if you like his Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't care if you like it. He wants you to do it. And he's going to help you along the way. But it only works if you put it to work, if you put it as a way of life, if you put it into practice. And of course, none of us start out doing this, do we? That's why we need to hear it. And when Jesus meets us, we're, we're way down here. We are at the bottom of the mountain. We are poor in spirit. We are brokenhearted. We are uh, you know, impoverished. We, uh, we are starving for something more in life. And Jesus says, that's okay. I'm going to meet you right where you are. And he sets our sights higher to a life that we never thought we could do. And he walks with us up the mountain to a way of life that only he can make possible some of you remember uh, me saying before that mercy is wide discipleship is narrow and That means Jesus meets us with his wide mercy and, and he takes us to this this highly defined way of life he calls it the narrow road and, and you I, I said it's kinda like a funnel You know, wide on one end and narrow on the other. And then last week, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but it just hit me. What is the shape of a funnel when you flip it over? It's like the shape of a mountain, right? Wide mercy, narrow discipleship. Uh, now, I know a lot of you have been here for uh, some of the, most of the previous messages. Some of you may not have, but, uh, and I know a lot of you have been going through this also in your faith groups uh, during the week, so you've been talking about this on your own and studying. Uh, and so, if you've been a part of this over these last few months, I want to ask you real pointedly, okay now, because of all this stuff we've been doing in the Sermon on the Mount, what are you putting into practice? What's different now? What are you doing that you didn't do before? What are you quitting doing that you were, have been doing because you're, you're, you're putting this into practice? Uh, Monday night, I went to bed and I slept well until 330 and uh, I could tell I'm not going back to sleep anytime soon. you have that feeling once in a while? Okay, here we go. So I just said, uh, I'm going to uh, sit up in bed and, and pray. And uh, also my mind just kind of drifted of things previous day. And I remember a conversation I'd had with a pastor that morning, a friend of mine. And he said, what if, Steve, instead of a handful, you had 20 or 30 racially diverse friends? He said, you begin to see life differently. You begin to see life more from their perspective and begin to comprehend the differences in culture. So anyway, I, I thought about that and then kind of put that aside. And then I was praying and, all, and, and then all of a sudden this, this image popped into my head and I, and I, I couldn't shake it. it. I mean, I wasn't dreaming, but it kind of felt kind of a little bit dreamish. And uh, the image comes from this parable of Jesus about the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, and so every day, this, this rich guy, he just, he just lives in the lap of luxury. He's got a big house and, and eats really well. And every day, Lazarus parks himself outside the rich man's gate, begging for food scraps. Lazarus was malnourished, suffering from sores all over his body, pretty much ignored by the rich guy. And and the picture that popped into my head, suddenly I was the rich guy, and persons of color were Lazarus. And and I had not stopped very long at all in my life to really listen and to understand life from their perspective, or to do anything that would make any any kind of difference. Let me tell you, it really bothered me. It was not a picture of myself that I, was, that I really wanted to see. Because I, I don't like to think of myself like that. But it seemed that God was saying to me, Steve, it's time to expand the diversity of your friendships, to learn more about a life from other perspectives. And so I think this is what Jesus is telling me at this point, that I need to take a new step and put into practice. So, please uh, grab your Bible now. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 21. Um, The last section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in the Pew Bible on page 972, it's right below the heading that says, True and False Disciples. Uh, At least in the New International Version, it does. Now, uh, one of the things that we love to do here at Faith Westwood, I try to say this most Sundays, is we love to give away Bibles. uh, And here's the deal. If that, that Pew Bible, if you'll take it home and read it, you can have it. Um, and a great place to start would be Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, that's some scary stuff, isn't it? Some people will call Jesus Lord, but they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Just so you know, the kingdom of heaven starts here, right now in this life, continues in the next. The kingdom of, of, of heaven is doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven, and then it continues on into the next life. So Jesus says, some people who claim to call him Lord will not enter the kingdom of heaven because they haven't done the Father's will. Uh, Of course, these people are saying, well, that can't be true. You know, they, they state their case. So look at verse 22. They say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Look at that verse. Three times they say to Jesus, in your name. And I'm sure they said the name of Jesus louder than anybody. In Jesus' name. They prophesied. Okay, I thought I heard bells all of a sudden. Maybe, maybe it was just me, but okay, here we go. Uh, anyway, they, they, they prophesied, and, and, and many people came to the altar, and they performed miracles, and, and people relieved of, of, of de- demons, and, and, uh, and those are all good things. Th- those are things, if you read farther into Matthew's Gospel, that Jesus authorized his 12 disciples to do. But surprisingly, shockingly, Not everybody who does miracles is the real thing. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? And it's because they do not do the will of their Father. Here's what they're supposed to do love your enemies, be a peacemaker, show mercy, reconcile relationships, turn the other cheek, go the second mile. Secretly give to those in need. Serve God, not success. And that's what's missing in these false disciples. On the surface, I mean, they've got these awesome ministries. And people come and go to their conferences and buy their books. They're like spiritual giants. The kind of leaders we look up to. But some of them. I wouldn't say most of them, but... But there are some that are hollow. They're empty. Beneath that facade of success, they're vengeful, immoral, merciless, selfish, greedy, judgmental. They're not doing the Father's will. Their their hearts haven't changed. And on the day of judgment, when when they proudly present their impressive ministry resumes... Jesus will say these frightening words in verse 23. He'll say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Sometimes preachers are false disciples. Sometimes church members are false disciples. They look good on Sunday morning. The church is just the arena for their pursuit of power and prestige. False disciples are really, their biggest concern is about appearances. They care more about what people will say at their funeral than what Jesus will say on the day of judgment about them. They care more about what people will say about them at their funeral than what Jesus will say to them on the day of judgment. So if you come to church just to be seen and not out of a desire to be transformed by Christ you may be in danger of being a false disciple. If you sing and serve on Sunday mornings because you're trying to impress people and not out of a sincere desire to offer your life to Christ you may be in danger of being a false disciple but Who's going to know? Right? I mean, you can stay incognito for years. Who's going to figure it out? But Jesus knows. He sees through to the the disguise. And that leads us to the very final portion of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the parable of the builders. And notice that in verse 24, which we read earlier, it begins with the word, therefore. Uh, It means that, that... what was said is connected to what's about to be said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on what? The rock. So Jesus talks about two builders, One, uh, and each one of them builds a house. You walk into one house and then the other, and hey, they're both great. You love these, these homes. I mean, the walls are solid, the floors aren't creaky, the, the rooms are spacious. It even smells nice. And from everything you can see, these two houses are identical. But, of course, there's one big difference. In, in 20 towns in northeastern Connecticut, a slow-motion disaster is now at work, has been at work for a few years a concrete supplier years ago uh, used local gravel that contained uh, high levels of pyritite, which I didn't know what that was, but I looked it up, and it's a compound which reacts with oxygen and water and eventually creates these terrible cracks in foundations. Houses are falling apart. Uh, homes that at one point were the family's primary asset are now worthless, and the insurance companies aren't paying anything it's been a nightmare for a lot of people and and it doesn't you see it doesn't matter what you build above ground if the foundation is faulty Jesus says that a house built on sand will not stand when tested a house built on sand will not stand when tested and the foundation is doing God's will. It's doing life God's way. It's building that deep character. And that's the part that false disciples miss. False disciples are content with appearances. The false disciples, as we read earlier, they, they complain, you know, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name and all those other things? Reminds me of a similar complaint in one of Jesus' other parables later in Matthew's Gospel. Lord! When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? They might even add, what do you mean, Jesus? We didn't see you. We were all about you. We, we worshiped you. We sang to glorify your name every Sunday. We, we celebrated your birth every December. We even put up beautiful nativity displays in your honor. But on the day of judgment, Jesus will say, whatever you did not do, For one of the least of these you did not do to me. If you had given food to the hungry, given water to the thirsty, welcomed the stranger, given clothes to the shivering, uh, visited the sick and in prison, I would have recognized you. I would have known that you're one of mine. I would have known that the, the foundation of your life, the foundation of your faith was true that it was resting on me. But even then, there's a risk. Doing these things, helping the hungry, thirsty, inadequately clothed, sick, or imprisoned, can sometimes be the projects of false disciples. And the way that happens is when we make it all about us. Now, I love how this church is solidly behind and supporting our pantry. I mean, you, you give for it, you serve with it. Uh, it's, and, and what I love most, though, is when I hear things that let me know that it's not mostly about the food. And I think that's always got to be true about our pantry. Uh, it's, never, it's never mostly about the food, it's about the love. It's about building relationships. It's about creating dignity. It's about bringing the community together. It's about inviting pantry patrons to serve alongside us. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are the light of the world, but you can't be the light of the world when the spotlight is shining on you. We can't be the light of the world when the spotlight is shining on us. When when you're the light of the world, the light shines out from you, not on you. When you're the light of the world, it shines out on others, bringing light and life to them. That's what Jesus was talking about. So today, some of you might be going, oh man, I'm a little nervous here. I don't know whether I'm a false disciple or a true disciple. Maybe you say, well, I like coming to church, uh, you know, I like seeing my friends, I like to sing, I like to serve a little, but man, I don't know if I'm ready to give up my will to do God's will. I don't, I don't know if I want to give up my way to do life Jesus' way. Now, I want to I say we all mess up, right? True disciples, you're not, you know, you... You can look back and you know you haven't lived a perfect life. You've you've, you've messed up. You've you've sinned. But every time we sin, Jesus picks us up. He forgives us. And He sends us back on our way. That's, That's walking in the life of grace. But false disciples, there is another hidden resistance that goes much deeper. It's more deceptive, more superficial. At a foundational level, what they want Life is about what they want, not what God wants. So, I'm asking, are you in danger of being a false disciple? Then I would say, let today be the day when you say, Jesus, huh, I think I've been more about appearances than reality. So, so, so help me, Lord. I, I want to... We'll hear what you say, and then I want to l- put it into practice, but I'm going to need your help to do it. But let's get started. Help me to build a solid foundation. And Jesus will say, Yeah, I know you. You're one of mine. You are one of mine. And of course, we all have room to be truer disciples, don't we? Sure. I mean, that's kind of the life of discipleship. We're, we're kind of always on the mountain, always looking to make progress. And so when Scripture speaks to us about an area of our lives that needs to change, then we, we, we try to listen. And we say, okay, Lord, let's, let's take the next step and put it into practice. And there are times when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about our lives and how we can follow Jesus' way. And we go, okay, that's what I got to do then, isn't it, Lord? <laughs> it's not going to be easy, but let's get started. Let's 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 go for it. You see, true disciples aren't perfect. But they're always listening. They're always learning. They're always obeying. That's life on the mountain. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you have, you have come to meet us right where we are. We're at the bottom of the mountain. So that's where you, that's where you find us. And, and uh, we have nothing to bring you but our need, our emptiness. But you bless us. What a beautiful thing, Lord. You bless us and you, you claim us and you walk with us. And so, Lord, keep walking with us. Keep teaching us. And don't let us be buy into that lie that, that it's, it's enough to just go for appearances. Lord, we want to build the solid foundation of, of obeying you, of putting it into practice, of living that life uh, that you've called us to live. And so, uh, Jesus, thank you for uh, claiming us. And there are some here today, Lord, that are saying, today, Lord, claim me. I may have been sort of just dancing on the edges or building a, uh, on, a, on a sandy foundation and I need, Lord, to be real with this. So claim me, Lord. Let me be a part of your people. And Jesus will say, yes, I know you. Come and be one of mine. So Jesus, we thank you for your promises that you are always true and in your name we pray.